Tonight, Ezra Miller tries to flash his movie script, Goodbye the 21st Century Fox, and Supernatural Endings on this edition of Multiverse Tonight! There are many universes out there. Welcome to the one with news about all the others. This is Multiverse Tonight. Now, here's your host, Thomas Townley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Thomas Townley. And, uh, by the way, uh, you know the open that I, that I open the show with? I'm working on build, building a brand new opening, so, you know, give me, get, you know, when I when I do that, you'll you guys will have to give me your opinions on which is the better opening. Anyway, uh, we're just a couple of days away from Plant Comic Con, Kansas City. Woo! So looking forward to it, and I hope I get some great interview opportunities. So you'll want to stay tuned to our YouTube channel for uh, any video updates, our Instagram for photos and some video there of all the great cosplay and con life, and. Who knows, maybe a special edition of the show from the convention floor. You know, we'll have to see how the uh, Wi-Fi does. And uh, if you've been watching the Orville, it's been off. It'll be off this week and next week and come back the week after. But I've been live tweeting the show over on Twitter. And so all you have to do is just watch for my feed starting at 8 p.m. Central Time. That's 1 a.m. UTC for those overseas. And uh, you can watch watch along with me and, you know, enjoy a great show. Uh, Marina Sirtis and Jonathan Frakes will be, uh, will be uh, well, I should say, Jonathan Frakes will be directing Marina Sirtis on an upcoming episode of The Orville. Now, if you like what I do, you can donate at uh, coffee.com, like Anne, or on Patreon as well. Just go to mt podcast.com for links that's mtpodcast.com you can also tip me from the radio public or buzzsprout players or any other players that uh, give tips or you can buy me buy some swell merchandise as well by going to our t public store and speaking of the t public store they're going to be giving me some special codes for use by our patreon and coffee listener and coffee subscribers so go to our Patreon and donate as little as a dollar today or go over to, as that is, ko-fi.com, coffee.com, and uh, just give us a little as a dollar and you might get yourself a uh, link. Now, check out multiversetonight.com to see our show notes, affiliate links, the original occasional call, or, or occasional original column, I should say, and much, much more. Now, let's get on with the show. Ezra Miller is on a mission. Ezra Miller, the DCEU movie universe's version of The Flash, is on a deadline. You see, Ezra Miller needs to see The Flash solo picture put into motion soon, or they'll have to renegotiate a new contract as his current one expires in May. So, they're letting The Flash actor take a stab at rewriting the script, with the help of comics legend Grant Morrison. This after a clash with directors John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein over the tone of the movie. Daly and Goldstein want a lighter tone 
and Miller wants something a little darker. However, it might be a struggle to get the brass to go along with that, as the studio is kind of set on having something more light-hearted, you know, kind of like Aquaman or Shazam have, has done with, you know, with fans and critics. In a uh, recently surfaced interview with Ezra from the press tour for Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, Ezra said, quote, Anyone who knows anything about Barry Allen knows that he's always late, but then when he arrives, he gets stuff done. And that's definitely how this film's production schedule is proceeding. We're a little late, but the reason we are late, and this is the honest-to-God truth, we're all, and I mean myself in this, we are all very meticulously focused on making a movie that's not just one of the greatest superhero movies that we can possibly make. This movie's also going to be a gift to the fans, unquote. Well, let's hope it's not a gift that we want to return to the store. Now, I mentioned that Shazam is getting good reviews from the press screenings, and it might just be a hit. Warners has laid down the expectations gauntlet for the movie with a debut of $40 million in ticket sales for opening weekend. The good news is that Shazam doesn't have to make Aquaman-like numbers to be successful, as the film was made for just $80 million, which is less than half of Aquaman's $160 budget. Now, uh, $160 million budget, I should say. DC is also hoping to build a success steamroller from Aquaman to Shazam to Joker later this year and on to Wonder Woman 1984 next year. So the ball is in our courts, fans. If we want this to continue, we have to show up. Now, speaking of, of Wonder Woman 1984, which, let's face it, is still not a really catchy title. You might expect that this movie is a sequel to the first Wonder Woman movie. Well, guess again. According to the film's producer, Charles Roven, the reason the film is called Wonder Woman 1984 instead of Wonder Woman 2 is that this movie will be more of a standalone than a sequel. Speaking to Vulture, Roven said, quote, She was just determined that this movie should be the next iteration of Wonder Woman, but not a sequel. And... She's definitely delivering on that. It's a completely different time frame, and you'll get a sense of what Diana slash Wonder Woman had been doing in the intervening years, but it's a completely different story that we're telling. Even though it'll have these, a lot of the same emotional things, a lot of humor, a lot of brave action, tugs at the heartstrings as well. Unquote. On one hand, this might be the best. It keeps it fresh, and you don't have to see everything to get the plot of this one. However, it probably what means some of those dangling story threads from the first Wonder Woman movie, like Diana's parentage, might not be wrapped up. Wonder Woman 1984 hits theaters June 5th, 2020. Are you having bat, bat withdrawals? It's been more than a year since Batman last appeared on the big screen in Justice League, and now the wait is on till 2021 when we will get... A new Batman in The Batman from director Matt Reeves, with production beginning later, th later this year. Reeves has told The Hollywood Reporter that this movie will be, quote, It's very much a point of view-driven noir Batman tale. It's told very squarely on his shoulders, and I hope it's going to be a story that will be thrilling, but also emotional. It's more Batman in his detective mode than we've seen in, in the films. The comics have a great history of it. The comics have a history of that. 
He's supposed to be the world's greatest detective, but that's not necessarily been a part of what the movies have been. I'd love to I'd love this to be one where when we go on that journey of tracking down the criminals and trying to solve a crime, he's going to allow his character to have an arc so that he can go through a transformation. Unquote. Well, seeing Batman in more of a Dark Knight detective mode would be awesome. And he's been almost anything but in the movies thus, thus far. Well, let's hope Matt Reeves does the Dark Knight well when it hits theaters in, Jan in June of 2021. In DC TV news, John Cryer, who played Lex Luthor's nephew Lenny in the much maligned Superman 4 The Quest for Peace, hopes to finally erase Lenny from the landscape as he takes on the character of Lex Luthor in the season 4 finale of Supergirl, also titled The Quest for Peace. When asked during a press screening of the finale about playing Lenny and then getting to play Lex, he said, quote, I had a certain f amount of familiarity. I was very excited about working with Katie McGrath, and I loved the whole story that they've set up for this season. I felt like Lenny was a branch of, of the family tree that fell off pretty early and was rotting on the ground for a long time. So I feel this was my chance to sort of reclaim it and do a little more justice, or injustice as it were." Unquote. For those of you who are too young to remember, Superman 4 was considered the worst Superman movie and it ended the Superman franchise until 2006 when Superman Returns uh, debuted, debut retroactively removed Superman 3 and 4 from movie continuity. So, you hear that Titans is a good show, but you don't want to fork over the dough for the DC Universe streaming app. Well, good news. The show is now available for purchase as a standalone video, video show. You'll get the first season and the collection of video shorts about the show, all for the low, low price of $24.99 from various retailers like iTunes, Google, Vudu, and others. Or you could just find a friend who has a login they can share. Just kidding, Warner Brothers. Not kidding. DC Comics has released a preview of the covers of the upcoming Black Label miniseries, Superman, Year One, from Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. Here's the official blurb, quote, This Sunday, legendary creators Frank Miller, Batman Year One, Batman Dark Knight Returns, and John Romita Jr., Daredevil, The Man Without Fear, The Amazing Spider-Man, will share their definitive origin story for the Man of Steel in Superman Year One from DC Black Label. Beginning with the release of large format periodicals in the months of June, August, and October, the complete story will be available for collection in bookstores everywhere in November 2019. Superman Year One is a coming-of-age story for the future Man of Steel, featuring a young alien boy just trying to find his place in a new world. Faced with the need to hide his heritage and powers in order to survive, Clark will find his humanity through the grounding of the Kent family and the relationships that will define the man he will become. Told by two of the most revered voices in comics, Superman Year One is more than a superhero story. It's about the choices made by Clark Kent on his path to become a hero, to become a legend. It's a testament to the importance of choosing to become a hero. Superman Year One, number one, will be available in local comic book stores on June 19th. Now, let's go to some Marvel news.
Now, we begin Marvel news, and uh, I've been talking about for several episodes since the day arrived. Da -da -da -da! Just after midnight on March 20th, Disney finally took ownership of the assets of 21st Century Fox, and things will never be the same again. In an official statement, Disney chairman and CEO Robert Iger said, quote, This is an extraordinary and historic moment for us, one that will create significant long-term value for our company and our shareholders. Combining Disney's and 21st Century Fox's wealth of creative content and proven talent creates the preeminent global entertainment company, well positioned to lead in an incredibly dynamic and transformative era. Unquote. To remind you, the acquisition gives Disney 20th Century Fox, Fox Searchlight Pictures, Fox 2000 Pictures, which they've just shut down, Fox Family and Fox Animation, Fox's Television Creative Units, 20th Century Fox Television, FX Productions and, F and Fox 21, FX Networks National Geographic Partners, Fox Networks Group International, Star India, and Fox Interests in Hulu, Tata Sky, and Endemol Shine Group. The remaining portions of Fox will be spun off into a new company called Fox Corporation. This includes the Fox News Channel, the Fox Business Network, Fox Broadcasting Company, Fox Sports, Fox Television Stations Group and Sports Cable Networks, FS1, FS2, Fox Deportes, and, Bo and Big Ten Network, and other certain assets and liabilities. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Some of the fallout of the deal comes with the news that the New Mutants film will, according to Vanity Fair's Nicole Sperling, end up on Disney Plus later this year. Now, the film that was originally going to be a theatrical release starring Maisie Williams and with, had a moderate budget. Unfortunately, uh, it also didn't come out before the... Unfortunately, it didn't come out before the merger. It was originally supposed to be a trilogy of films, with a horror movie bent, and it's but uh, as I said, just not going to come out for theaters. Who knew? It's currently set for release on August second on whatever platform they decide. Again, most likely Disney Disney Plus. Now, when they decide this, we'll let you know. Now, since the last episode, we got a new trailer for the new X Men film, Dark Phoenix. The film, so far, has had a lot of people comparing it to X-Men 3 The Last Stand. Fox marketing executives are apparently in a tizzy over the promotion of the film being entangled with the timing of the studio's acquisition. A nameless exec told Vanity Fair, quote, We know when we are dropping a trailer, but we are nowhere near where we should be at this time. It's frightening. I would be mad if I were a filmmaker, unquote. I have not seen many great things about Dark Phoenix. Hopefully the trailers are just cut very badly and the film is better than this. I guess we'll find out when the movie comes to theaters on June 7th. Captain Marvel is doing pretty well in theaters. It's now almost to a billion dollars worldwide, currently at 910.3 million plus, and in the US it's made over 322 million. It's a hit. Another hit is the movie's rocking 90s soundtrack, with songs from TLC, Nirvana, and much, much more. But one song, Just a Girl by No Doubt, almost didn't make the movie. In an interview with Empire Film Podcast, co-director Anna Bodine joked that the team tried, quote, about 3,000 different songs before settling on No Doubt. Quote, 
that is actually one of the places in the movie where we tried about 3,000 different songs before we arrived at Just a Girl, which is hilarious because Just a Girl is the most obvious choice, unquote. For a variety of reasons, we were looking at, quote, for a variety of reasons, we were looking in different directions before we landed there. We put it on, and there's something cheeky and a little bit of fun about it. People were really into it and kind of fell in love with it there, unquote. Now, last year, James Gunn fell into a world of hurt when alt-right conspiracy theorist Mike Chernov, Mike Chernovich, whatever, uh, drew attention to several tweets that Mr. Gunn wrote between 2008 and 2012 joking about rape, child abuse, and pedophilia. This caused Disney, in response, to fire him as director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. However, time heals some wounds, and Disney has reinstated James Gunn as director of Guardians 3, a movie, a move that was telegraphed by actor and upcoming WWE WrestleMania competitor Dave Bautista while promoting his upcoming comedy, Stuber. Excuse me. Quote, his phone was ringing the day after with Marvel. He's bouncing back big time. In the next six to eight months next year, you're going to see James Gunn bounce back in a huge way, which is going to be a huge statement and real vindication, unquote. So, assuming Drax gets reincorporated in Endgame, we could see Batista back for Guardians 3. Of course, there are also reports that say Batista is also being considered in James Gunn the Suicide Squad movie as well. Now, there have been a few great reactions on Gunn's reinstatement. Ant-Man director Edgar Wright texted Gunn with, quote, Love it. Thor Ragnarok director Tiki Watiti posted on Twitter with tongue-in-cheek, quote, What the hell? I thought I was going to do it. Unquote. In reference to a call from many fans for him to take over for Gunn on Guardians 3. So, as we mentioned in earlier episodes, that James Gunn's currently working on a new Suicide Squad movie for Warner Brothers, will he have to quit to go back to Marvel? Nope. One of the conditions he gave Disney for his reinstatement was that he could complete Suicide Squad first. So James Gunn will be a man of two franchises. Production of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will begin pr production in February of 2021 under the working title of Hot Christmas. James Gunn is about to be busy for years. Now, The Hollywood Reporter reports that Disney's Runaways, which is on the now Disney majority-owned Hulu, will be back for a third season consisting of 10 episodes. Warner Brothers has had big success with Aquaman. Now, wait a minute. Didn't he have an analog in the Marvel Universe? Oh, yeah! Namor! Do, uh, Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange director Scott Derrickson recently tweeted a cryptic tweet that might mean that the Submariner might be coming to a film in the future. The tweet has been pulled down, but luckily a fan managed to screen capture it. Derrickson shared an image from the, uh, not from the graphic novel of 20, 2011's Fear Itself the Deep, a comic that featured both Dr. Strange and Namor with the caption, quote, are you experienced? Could this mean that we might see Namor in Doctor Strange 2? The rights for Namor had been given to Universal way back in 2001, and those uh, rights could have reverted back to Marvel by now, since 
Well, Universal never used them. So if, if something like this happens, we'll let you know. Now, let's uh, have a word from Radio Public. I'd like to thank you for listening to this edition of Multiverse Tonight. You know, one way you can support this show is to listen to it through the Radio Public app. Every episode of Multiverse Tonight that is heard through the Radio Public app for iPhone or Android means that you can get this podcast and we get a couple of cents in our can. Find the Radio Public app in Google and iTunes app stores and give it a try today. Thank you. Star Trek news starts with some of the cast added to the card show. They really need to announce a title soon. Something. You know, anything. Or then, you know, otherwise we're going to latch on to Star Trek Picard as the name of the show. Anyway, Evan, Evan Evagoria has been added to the cast. Evan is an Australian actor, and he's a newcomer. His IMDB page only has three credits. The Picard series, a role as Patron in an episode of a TV show called Secret City, and a new, the new Fantasy Island series, which is still filming and is due out in 2020. Now, this is the third version of Fan- Fantasy Island, and stars Michael Pena as Mr. Rourke. So, being cast on the Picard show must be a big vote of confidence. Star Trek is bringing sexy back. Yeah. Let's try that again. Star Trek is bringing the scant back. Yeah. The scant, which was first seen, which was first seen in the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, is set to be revived in Star Trek Discovery. According to costume designer Gersha Phillips, the scant will appear before the season's end. Speaking with the Daily Dot, she said, quote, We have. They haven't come out yet. They'll be late, later in the season. I was looking for a particular character to do it on, and we didn't have anyone, anybody specific. It'll come up closer to the end, but we did do it, and we will try to do it going forward. Unquote. Now, she went on to continue. She went on to say that quote, "It's true that it's always been there for Star Trek. You know, apart from the original series and the J.J. Abrams remake." They have maintained a really cool non-binary look throughout. So I think that for us going forward, it was really important to do that as well. The tunic will come back because so far, Nan's the only one who, that's worn them on our ship. So f- she wore the blue disco one, which turned out really cool. But yeah, our intention is, is definitely to do them both for both men and women. Unquote. You know, I've always been a fan of the kilt. And if it wasn't so cold, uh, this, you know, in the uh, coverage from Plant Comic Con, you'd see me wear my kilt, so. Anyway, IDW has released Star Trek Discovery, Captain Saru, by writers Kirsten Beyer, Mike Johnson, and art from Angel Hernandez and J.L. Rio. The story is set at the end of Season 1, but before the Enterprise showed up. Here's the blurb. An all-new Discovery adventure that ties directly into Season 1 of the hit CBS All-Access show. Soon after the events on Kronos, the Discovery receives a distress call from someone from Tilly's past. It's up to Commander Saru to lead the team, to lead the crew against this sinister alien threat in his first mission as acting captain. The comic is out now, 
and will run you about $7.99. The Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, Looking Back at Star Trek Deep Space Nine, has been acquired for distribution by Shout Studios. Shout has stated that they intend to put the film in theaters as well as video on demand, digital broadcast, and home entertainment by the end of the year. In the press release, uh, Shout Studios, Mark Balsam said, quote, I love Deep Space Nine, and this documentary beautifully captures the true essence of the series and what it meant to be what it meant to the Star Trek franchise. Unquote. VP of Marketing Michael Rebaz added, quote, Deep Space Nine has a passionate fan base, as shown by the successful crowdfunding campaign that brought this movie to life, and we're thrilled to share their love and dedication to the show by bringing the What We Left Behind to an even wider audience, unquote. Deep Space Nine writer Ira Stephen Bear said, quote, When Dave Zappone asked me if I wanted to make a documentary about, about Deep Space Nine, my first reaction was, what is there left to say about Deep Space Nine? Well, William Faulkner once wrote, The past is never dead. It's not even past. The cast, crew, and fans have a lot to say about Deep Space Nine. What we left behind is their story. It's my story, too. Turns out William Faulkner was a very wise man. Unquote. The film deal was negotiated by Mark Balsam and Shout Vice President of Business Affairs Vanessa Keiko Flanders for Shout Factory and Douglas Lee for 455 Films. Harry Mudd has left the building. That was pretty much the message from Maureen Wilson at, what, that he gave at, during a panel at the Emerald City Comic Con. The actor said that he will not be appearing in the second season of Discovery despite the short trek that was released a few months ago, but he did leave the door open to an appearance in Season 3. He also took time to note that some fans find his new version of the character too grounded, while others find him too funny and mentioned him there were a lot of Discovery haters in general. He also said that there was once a possibility that he could appear in this current season, but another job took him out of the mix. Considering how busy the story has been this season, I really don't see how they could have squeezed a Mud story in anyway. I suppose they could have made Mud the Red Herring Angel. So, let's go on to some Star Wars news. So, last episode, we detailed a lot of stuff at Disney's Galaxy's Edge attraction. Slashfilms.com had a first look at the Companion app, which, through your interactions, will ultimately decide whether you support the Resistance, the First Order, or roam around as an independent scoundrel. You know, I think I'd rather be the scoundrel. Anyway, here's the breakdown of what you can do with the app, courtesy of the Disney Parks blog. Translate galactic languages, both written and spoken. Discover precious cargo and digital goods as you scan objects all around the spaceport, including items hidden inside sh space shipping crates and containers. Tune into communications sent by the planet's many residents to uncover stories and secrets throughout the land, and then scramble transmissions being sent from far, far away. Use the Play Disney Parks app to ha hack into the land's many devices, control panels, and droids. And each time you complete a job involved in one of these activities, you'll receive digital awards like ship schematics, star maps, galactic credits, and more. Now, I wonder what the droids will do if there are dozens of people trying to hack the same droid at the same time. 
Could this be the start of the droid rebellion? Galaxy's Edge opens in Disneyland in Anaheim, California on May 31st, 2019 and in Orlando, Florida on August 29th, 2019. For much more of the park, we'll have a link to the article in our show notes. The still titleless Episode 9 keeps dripping out leaks. The latest comes from Oscar Isaac, who teased on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon that C-3PO will have a larger role in the last Skywalker movie. Talking with Jimmy about wrapping up filming, he shared that his final moment on set was upstaged by Anthony Daniels, who also wrapped up on the same day. Quote, It was such a milestone, and what was particularly special is the day that I finished on these three massive movies that, for me, have been such a huge part of my life, right after it was like, okay, Oscar's done, and, you know, I said a few words, and it's also Anthony Daniels' last day on set, you know? And I mean, way to take the thunder, he joked. This guy, he, this guy, he's been there from the very beginning. You know, originally George Lucas saw the whole thing as a story about C-3PO and R2-D2, these droids that kind of witness all this, all of this history. He was super emotional about it and hanging up the golden cowl. And I think really, and I mean this, this time he kept saying like, this is the most fun he had because he has actually you know, had so much fun things to do, and we got to work a lot together. And yeah, it was amazing to see that, to see that piece of history close, unquote. Oscar has plenty of work ahead of him, including the new Dune film and the Adams Family feature animated feature. Frank Oz thinks that criticism of The Last Jedi is horse crap. Speaking at a panel at South by Southwest, he told the audience, quote, I love The Last Jedi. All the people who don't like this Jedi thing is just horse crap. It's about expectations. The movie didn't fill their expectations. But as filmmakers, we're not here to fulfill people's expectations. Unquote. Now that Disney has unfired James Gunn, could Marvel rehire Chuck Wendig? Now, if you'll remember in a previous episode, Chuck Wendig was fired after he took on trolls on Twitter. Marvel considered his tweets to be political and vulgar, and so they fired him from the Shadow Vader miniseries and another future project. Similar to how similar to how Disney fired James Gunn for his inappropriate tweets. There are arguments for and against. Gunn accepted responsibility. Windig went public and made it clear that he feels that Marvel was an error. So do you think Marvel should rehire Windig? Let me know. Now for something completely creepy. A newly found tarantula-like spider species is being named after the stormtroopers from Star Wars. These spiders live in Colombia, and each spider sports an armored exterior, each spider being identical like the next one. These six species of spiders are so small that they could sit on a penny. They include two species of bald-legged spiders in the established genus Paratrupus, and four additional species in a new genus called Stormtroopus. So why are they given this name? Co-author William Glavis, an arachnologist from the National University of Columbia, said there were two reasons. Quote, the first one was because we love Star Wars. And the second one, sometimes it's the only way to catch the attention of people outside the sciences. Unquote. Now, don't worry about finding one of these in your house anytime soon. Those, spy those spiders, stormtroopers, paratroopers, and the relatives are particularly tricky to find, 
They're often buried in leaves, bark, or rotten logs, and deftly camouflaged. Their specialized cuticle, or outer skin, is, a st is equipped with unusual scales that collect the soil they live in, blending their bodies into the earth. Still, spiders. Just gonna let that sit there. Now, let's uh, go to some geek news. Just when you thought award season was done, there, there's the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. Now, let's just do a quick rundown of the big winners. Favorite movie, Avengers Infinity War. Favorite superhero, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man. Favorite butt kicker, Chris Pratt for Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Favorite animated movie, Incredibles 2. Favorite funny TV show, Fuller House. Which becomes even funnier when you just consider what just happened to uh, Lori Lautner, who plays Aunt Becky on the show. A favorite TV drama, Riverdale. And to prove that kids have no taste, favorite music group, Maroon 5. Just kidding. They aren't bad. They're just really, really, really overplayed. Uh, there's more awards, but I'm just going to leave that, leave it alone because none of those awards really are very geeky. The classic Tom Hanks movie, Forrest Gump, is getting a remake in India. The Hollywood Reporter reports that Indian superstar Amir Khan is set to star in the movie and will be directed by Advit Chandan. In the statement, Khan said, quote, We have bought the rights from Paramount. I have always loved Forrest Gump as a script. It is a wonderful story about this character. It is a feel-good film. It is a film for the whole family. Unquote. Now, it'll be interesting to see what Bollywood makes of the story. Kevin Smith is hard at work on his new View Universe movie, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Now, he's been releasing tidbits. Uh, returning is Jason Lee's Brody, a very sweet tribute to Stan Lee. Uh, Brian O'Halloran's in it. The use of a Redbox machine, courtesy of Redbox. Appearances by Craig Robinson, Justin, Lo Justin, Justin Long, Joe Magnello, Method Man, Red Man, New Girl Gang featuring his daughter, Harley Quinn Smith. Shannon Elizabeth returning as Justice, Molly Shannon, Kate Meucci, uh, Chris Jericho, James Vanderbeek, Jason Biggs, and Bader Dietrich. So, look at, so I'm so looking forward to this movie, even if Kevin is literally, literally half the man he used to be. You know, he looks so happy in the pictures that have been coming from the, from the set. Now, in the wake of 21st Century Fox's absorption into the Walt Disney Company, Deadline reports that Emma Watts, a Fox exec, reportedly stopped Noah Hawley and FX from taking the Aliens franchise for a miniseries. Apparently, Watts was guarding the Aliens franchise from being used for TV projects or streaming projects with low budgets and no back ends. Well, it's a pity. It might have been better than the last movie. Dennis Villeneuve Report, reboot of Dune has now started filming. The film is now shooting in Budapest, Hungary, and in Jordan, and we now have an official synopsis. Quote, A mythic and emotionally charged hero's journey, Dune tells the story of Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding, who must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent forces explode into conflict, over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, a commodity capable of unlocking humanity's greatest potential. 
Only those who can conquer their fear will survive. Unquote. Dune hits theaters on November 20th, 2020. The reboot of The Toxic Avenger by Legendary Entertainment has finally found its director, Macon, B Macon Blair. Almost said Macon Bacon there. Uh, has just joined up to write and direct the movie, according to Freddy. Now, while the original was a very low-budget film and, uh, well, trauma-esque, Legendary plans to turn the Toxic Avengers' next cinematic adventure into a more refined affair. No release date has been given yet. The Dora Explorer live-action film Dora and the Lost City of Gold has added Danny Trejo to the cast. Trejo announced in Twitter that he will be voicing Dora's trusty monkey friend, Boots. You can't make this up, folks. You, you, you just can't. Now, usually at the end of the show here, we talk about those that have passed on. Well, tonight we'd like to note the announced passing of the TV show Supernatural after the next season's 15th season. This means that the next season will be the end of both Supernatural and Arrow. Now, we're going to need some more DC Universe shows, so uh, time's of the essence. Let's, let's, come on, let's do a Blue Beetle Booster Gold show. Or, or Mr. Miracle. Something, something exciting. Anyway, that brings us to the uh, end of this edition. Be sure to check us out on social media. We're at Twitter at Multiverse Tom, also on Facebook and Instagram as well. And uh, if you'd like to contribute some money, please visit mtpodcast.com to go to our coffee or Patreon as well. And be sure to visit be sure to visit multiversetonight.com and check out our affiliate marketplace links, the link to our T Public store, show notes, and so much more. Now, uh, if you're a subscriber. Be sure to share us with your friends, and if you're brand new to the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us some feedback and let us know how we're doing. Special thanks to Lobo Loco for our theme music. Thanks for watching Multiverse Tonight. We'll be back in two weeks. Now, uh, please exit the universe in orderly fashion. Good night. Multiverse Tonight is a production of Half Big Genre Production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.